0: Welcome to Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth, a show about markets, investing, and financial planning. Join us as we cover current events that are in the news and answer top of mind questions from our listeners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. This audio may contain statements that may be Episode 25 of Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth. It is June 2nd, 9:50 in the morning, and we are fresh off the news that the debt ceiling was suspended until uh, January 1st, 2025. The, this passed the House and then later the Senate late last night. We'll get into some of the nuances of this bill, but uh, I suppose the good news, or at least the relief, is that the debt ceiling was suspended. On today's episode, we will also talk about the state of the economy from the lens of the typical American. There's just some interesting data showing up with spending, credit card debt, money in the bank, that sort of thing. And finally, also released today, it was a super strong jobs report. Maybe that's good news, maybe that's bad news, and we'll get into that as well. I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Hao Dang. Hao, welcome to the pod.
1: Thanks, Chris. Good seeing you.
0: Good seeing you. Good seeing you. Let's dive in. So, debt ceiling, what's in this deal and what's notable that we should share with our listeners here?
1: I'll, I'll get right right to it. What's notable is the lack of headlines, the lack of positive headlines. Uh, CNN, I'm calling you, and and CNBC, Yahoo Finance, I'm calling Yahoo you, Finance, and uh, Reuters. Um, so, I'm reputable. Again, if you're listening, I'm using air quotes. On video, I am, actually. <laughs> and uh, lack of news. And leading up to this, plenty of news. The economy's going to crash. Uh, we're going to miss Medicare and Social Security payments. Yeah, true, if the debt ceiling wasn't lifted. And the fact that this garnered a lot of political attention, it's probably shame on Congress as well. And I think it it drove a lot of unnecessary headache and sucked a lot of air out of the room, which again, if I'm CNN, I need to sell clicks, but I don't know, there's gotta be a better way to do this.
0: So we have a a thread within our team that we send articles back and forth and whatnot. And so, you know, as soon as this deal was announced, I got a ping on my phone from Wall Street Journal and Barron's uh, and I believe Bloomberg as well, all immediately read the article, fired it out to the team. And so, I mean, literally three minutes ago as we were just about to hit record, how and I were chatting. Okay, so what's in the bill? We should get some notes in here. Um, couldn't find anything. Not top of news. Had to dig. Uh, it took us maybe a minute to actually find what was in the bill so that we can actually highlight it for you all today. So that's just an example of how I guess this is old news already and we're looking past it.
1: Or, Or more calling out these news media headlines is it was self-generated news. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. more of a story than it was. Um, again, you didn't see any panic from us. Uh, we, we did address some of the, we're going to address some of the psychology leading up to this because I'm pretty sure a lot of people went to cash because of headlines.
0: Yeah, but and our objective here is not to downplay the seriousness of the debt ceiling yeah. or what could have happened, but as mentioned on our on our prior podcast and our quarterly market commentary, that'll be released here soon, the debt ceiling has been raised or suspended more than a hundred times uh, since World War II. This is, a, this is a common thing. This happens all the time. And it is likely was likely that it was going to get resolved. And here we are. And it did.
1: Yeah. And a little bit of following the money, right? Because these politicians have donors and own stock themselves. And they don't want to lose out too.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, totally. So what was the top headline then today?
1: Uh, jobs numbers, it was stronger. And the implication there is, is the economy is overheating and we need to raise rates to, I guess, lessen the heat. I don't know about the cool, cool down the economy. Um, but yeah, the, the back burner suddenly was the debt ceiling headline.
0: We'll come back to jobs here in a minute. Let's, let's, we'll stay on the on the debt ceiling here for just a quick recap. So Of note in the bill, student loan payments are going to start back up here soon, Um, actually as planned, but it was confirmed in in the bill that they will start back up. So, um, you know, everybody's been in in deferral and now we're going to have to start paying that. That actually helps the national debt. So that was one of the items that um, reduced government spending year over year, is projected to reduce government spending year over year. There was 28 billion dollars of unused covid funds those were rescinded uh, essentially there's just a bank account with money that was authorized that hadn't been used yet and so that was pulled back um, there's additional money for vaccine funding and then also there was a cap in military spending increases uh, at three percent other than that there really wasn't much in the bill um, you know it, 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 there's a quote here that says is the the first time year over year that the government will spend less money so they'll spend less money in the coming year than it did in the last year that's probably good news we all know that there's a a federal deficit
1: but nothing really else of note no it's more self-generated drama uh politicking because why why huff and puff over what essentially is amounts to less than one percent of the federal budget it's probably less than a tenth of a percent of the federal budget if we yeah. broke down the percentages yeah. 28 billion sounds like a lot in absolute terms, but 28 billion on a multi trillion dollar budget is very small.
0: Yeah, totally. So, we made a bold call on um, this last podcast that we recorded. Uh, this was on May 17th that we recorded our last podcast. And um, we said that we thought that the market could react positively to a deal on the debt ceiling or react negatively. To a, uh, of course, a default, but just a delayed, a delayed, delayed deal. Uh, we said that we thought that the market could go up anywhere from zero to five percent on the good news. We said that we thought that the market could go down anywhere from five to fifteen percent on bad news or delayed news. Um, that was just our thinking. Um, it, we looked this up here this morning, as of May seventeenth to uh, today. How far is the market up? And by market, I mean S and P. So how how wh- where are we at right now?
1: From the seventeenth, we are up uh, one and a half through yesterday.
0: One and a half percent. It's wild yeah, the market's because
1: up one percent when we started recording, I think.
0: So <laughs> it's wild two, because two and a half. It feels like the market's up like seven percent since that that day. Because right, this this week has been just up 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 <laughs> yeah, with yeah. all the pending potential good news, right? But of course, things had come down before, and so I thought we would just mention that because. Again, this is from 5.17 to 6.2. Market's up a whopping 1.5%. Great, over a couple of weeks. Uh, But again, within range of that 0 to 5. So anyway, priced in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Whatever you read on CNN or Fox News, and you're using investment advice off that or an investment thesis off that, you're working off really stale information. Mm Mm-hmm. And the market mm-hmm. has already priced it in, probably at the beginning of the year, because it wasn't a secret that the debt ceiling was going to be coming to a head in January, right? Uh, Treasury Yellen said January nineteenth, hey, we're running, we're we're going to have to take extraordinary measures to start paying our debts. So she shuffled money for the last six months, mm-hmm. and if if you're looking at news headlines in May to make an investment decision about something that's already happening, good luck to you. That's a very poor investment approach.
0: Yeah, there was a post that said that the the feds were ready to auction something like 15 billion of securities that were due in one day. So they literally just needed 15 billion in the bank to pay some bills, and then they're gonna pay them back the following day. Um, but now with the debt ceiling, and, and that was it's kind of extraordinary measures of, hey, we're bumping up against the debt ceiling, we can't yeah. do big amounts. And now with the passage of this, they're looking to issue about $125 billion in the coming week, which then sort of refills the bank for a little bit longer. So again, just interesting, right? But you're talking about a one day loan. Uh, I, I can't <laughs> believe we even have this rule. So uh
1: yeah. anyway. Yeah, well, it gives it gives the newspapers something to sell. So because let's what, talk about that. What so has
0: so yeah. there will always be reasons to always not invest. We tend to highlight a lot of those because part of the purpose of our our podcast and content is really to to try to digest to the top of top of the media and hopefully bring to you all what we think is a real answer to that because we can again hopefully cut through the the noise and the clicks there and and bring our you know our unfiltered opinions. So how uh, you've got some thoughts on this here, but I just want to let you kind of explain to our listeners on, um, <laughs> on, on, on what you're thinking on all the reasons on not to invest and why people should just stay invested, stick to the plan.
1: Yeah, yeah. And to be blunt, the market doesn't care about your opinion of where it should be going or how it's valued. If it's too cheap, too expensive, it does not care about any single one one's opinion. And I've learned that personally the hard way, where I was like, hey, this stock is oversold or overbought, right? And we've all done that. And I'm I'm speaking to essentially my younger self who thought I was smarter than the market. And I think that's really important to recognize to make yourself a better investor in the future is the market is going to price in what it's going to price in, Mm -hmm. whether you think it's right or wrong, especially if you think it's wrong it could be wrong for a lot longer than you're solving. And that's a pretty well-known term, right? Like short sellers could be right, but it's a matter of time. And if they're right a year early, they're out of business, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. That's a big difference between a year early and a day early. So if you're going to nail the bottom, which if you were making an investment thesis on the debt ceiling not being resolved, or we, we resolved it three days in advance. Mm-hmm. which is, I thought they would milk this for another three days. Yeah, me too. Giving more people reasons to worry, right? You know what, and, though?
0: I also yeah. thought that there was a little wink, wink, nod, nod behind the scenes saying, yeah. hey, let's get a deal done swiftly and early because we need to show that politics is working in the U.S. There's been some recent reports that, you know, politics and, and democracy in the U.S. has been not working as well. Yeah. And I feel like this was sort of a turn off the recorders, hey everyone let 's make a deal so that we can prove that we 're still functioning. Uh, I have no facts around that, but that 's just my thought
1: yeah, or their their donors or their own portfolios are saying, "Hey, we need a bit of a break here and let 's okay. throw yeah. us a bone and I think uh money does drive interest does drive right these some of these decisions, whether to resolve something sooner um, in two thousand and eleven ultimately we we did not default we did missed the deadline
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but uh i'm pretty sure a lot of people benefited from that relatively temporary pullback
0: Mm -hmm. well and i think our point here is that if you are expecting trouble or you're expecting bad news all you're going to read is articles that continue to confirm that news and so our advice is watch your confirmation bias here Um, the media is is great at stoking that fire Um, but the challenge is to read that and say, "Yeah, but what if that doesn't happen?" Um, which is our job, right, with our clients' money. But again, we would we would challenge all of our listeners to to really try to uh, not stoke their confirmation bias just by continuing to read more and more articles that say the same exact thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we got inquiries right about whether we should move to cash. No one did, but that's good. Yeah, yeah, f- and for our part. We, we do welcome outside opinion or, or contradicting opinion because that's part of what makes us better because we, we fall tra- to the confirmation bias trap sometimes too, right? And if, I think if you listen to us over time, we're, we're a little bit overly optimistic. But at this point, you know, if you invested all that, uh, all that time during 2022, during the bottom of the summer and the bottom of October – you're, you're pretty well off in such a short period of time.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: our, our main theme has always been get invested, stay invested.
0: The challenge with going to cash, and that's an extreme. So go to cash is one, or just selling one thing and going to another thing, You know, selling value, going to growth, or selling small companies and going to big companies, or whatever it is, is when. There's two sides to that trade. And so let me just focus on going to cash. If you do decide to go to cash... You have to decide when to sell, and then the hardest part is deciding when to get back in. Yeah. And that gets harder both ways or either way that the market could go. Consistently. If you sell and you get your your money back and the market goes up, you're likely thinking, I gotta wait, I gotta wait for it to go down, I gotta wait for it to go down, which may or may not happen. It might not go below your exit price. If the market goes down, you're thinking the same thing, but on the opposite. It's going to keep going. I knew it. It's going to keep going. Yeah, I knew it. I and right. it's hard to get back in. Yeah. And so that is the greatest challenge. Selling, I would argue, is the easy part. The media helps you sell. Buying is the hard part. Uh, the market seemed to bottom on October 15th last year. It's, it's uh, that's largely gone up or the right direction since then. There was zero news on that day no news right before no news right after no good news at least no reason but ultimately things decided to start going the other direction
1: yeah and i think if you are making those trading decisions you're adding a lot of undue stress especially if you're a long term investor yeah and your plan dictated that i think i think uh the decision not made is should be as impactful as the decision to sell, right? Because you feel better that you did something, right? Versus sitting on your hands and doing nothing, which is probably the best thing to do all year. Mm-hmm. Because you did capture at least some or all of the, this, at least the S&P run-up, right?
0: Mm-hmm. There's a quote here from Morgan Housel. And if you don't know Morgan Housel, he wrote a book called The Psychology of Money. A fantastic book that uh, we would strongly yeah, recommend to our highly listeners. Recommend. Um, excellent book, easy read. Um,
1: he's in Seattle too.
0: He's a, he's a local cat. I'm hoping to run into him someday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he wrote a blog post here recently and we just wanted to pull one quote about it. And he said, when looking at articles and, and, and short-term economic data, ask yourself, will I care about this in a year? And I think that's really good perspective because there's so many things that are in the media that we could all remember that we read. A month ago, six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, that now we don't really care about. The learnings, though, say from books or from experiences in life or those types of things, those are the things that really imprint on our lives over time. Those are things we do care about a year from today. So that would be our message is when you're reading articles, posts, when you're stoking your confirmation bias, ask yourself, will I care about this in a year?
1: Yeah, and we're, we're typically here as advisors, as a sounding board, right? That's important for clients to prevent that big mistake because where are you going to make up uh, 11% gain anywhere in the market unless the market gives it back to you? Yeah. So now you're in a position where your fingers are crossed to get another debt ceiling drama or something else to, to give the market a reason to sell off. Yeah. And this is 2020 all over again, right? Where everyone was saying, hey, this is a double dip recession. We're going to have another big sell-off in the summer of 2020. We didn't get one until November of that year. Mm-hmm. So you were on the sidelines for seven months and a 50% run-up on the, in the market. Good luck making that up.
0: Yeah. Tough to call. Yeah. Tough to call. And you,
1: you never get yesterday's price because no one's going to give you yesterday's price. They're going to give you the price today it's up to you to decide for the future whether you can withstand the risk because there's always going to be risk in investing and that's what scares the the i guess the typical person i I know we try to avoid average the term average but the typical person will be scared off when there's any sign of volatility which gives opportunity to long-term investors
0: I want to switch gears here a little bit. So, uh, yes, we've been overly positive. Yes, markets generally go up. Yes, we believe in diversification. That's what how we can build that that yeah. thesis. So I want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about the estate the state of the economy from the lens of the typical American. So, there is some interesting news here. Not news. There's some interesting data on credit card balances, uh, personal savings rates. Um, potentially, it's pointing to. A lot of people in America are running out of money, and that's not necessarily great. So we thought we would talk through this. Those of you who are turning in a, tuning in on YouTube, you should be able to see this chart on your screen. We hope we'll so. We'll also do our best to describe <laughs> it if you are listening uh, while you're walking down the street or driving your car.
1: Yeah, I think this is the first time we're sharing a chart live here, Chris. So
0: The debut. Yeah. All right. What are we looking at here, Hal? Hal?
1: Uh, We're looking at three of the big things that you mentioned. Um, Recently, the headlines have been saying credit card debt reaches an all time high. Uh, We're also looking at the personal savings rate. And the last one is a little bit inside baseball. It's called the M1 money supply. You've heard us mention M2 money supply. M1 is a little bit more the liquid version of it, or uh, the paper currency in circulation, along with uh, checking and savings, like really accessible cash in the bank. Checking yeah. and money to money to be spent. Yep. All right. So, uh, what we're seeing is those three lines on the one chart. Uh, and, the first,
0: and this and this is a ten year ten year historical chart.
1: Yeah, going back ten years, uh, let's look at U.S. credit card debt. That that has gotten a lot of attention, and it should. I I think credit cards are one of the most egregious ways of carrying interest and in having to pay that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does deservedly really get a lot of. Uh, headline attention and if you look at the trend prior to the covid lockdowns um it was it was running at a really healthy clip meaning the line was going up um what we call a tread line and the trend broke when covid hit because no one was spending there they were locked down but then we had this jump from the summer of starting in the summer of 2021 When things started to reopen slowly but surely. But if you get rid of that dip or the little trough there, the trend's still on trend. It's just going, it's normalized. But what you'll see in headlines is uh, credit card growth has grown at historically fast rates. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're uh, taking a historically low point and you're Comparing it to a historically high point, you're going to get a big dispersion there. Mm-hmm. And to the naked eye, that looks like we are increase our spending at a really rapid rate. But you get rid of that trough, as I mentioned, it's it's back on trend because we probably would have gotten there without a lockdown anyway.
0: Yeah. So what's interesting here, my takeaway, so the the M1 money supply, which again is essentially checking and savings balances in the country. It was slowly upticking through many, many years. That makes sense. More people, more bank accounts, more money in those bank accounts, regardless of the balances. And then COVID happened. So the lockdown of COVID happened, and uh, not only did the personal savings rate skyrocket, uh, the money in the bank skyrocketed. That's due to all the stimulus. So the stimulus payments were thought to be exactly the word, go give you money and go spend it and stimulate the economy. And actually that didn't happen, at least not initially. That money just sat in the bank.
1: Yeah, what are you gonna and spend on it? Well, that's true
0: too. <laughs> yeah. Amazon packages, I think, yeah. um, and maybe Netflix. So, so the money got, got stacked in the bank. The other thing that people did that was interesting is they started paying down debt. That's actually good, but um, credit card balances went down by 25 to 30% in 2020. And so they used economic stimulus they actually paid down debt balances they saved money in their banks um, and they didn't really spend a whole lot and then that trend started to reverse and uh, in around in 2021 or so that's when spending really started once again and i think that's what's impressed all of us and what's really propped up the economy u.s consumer spending is about 70 percent of gdp meaning if people stop buying things we likely fall to recession. We have to have the money circulating and people buying things, restaurants, planes, cars, all this stuff um, in order for the economy to stay healthy. And that's been incredibly strong. Now what we're seeing though is that the personal savings rate has gone through its previous floor. So that's the bad news is that people aren't saving nearly as much as they were pre-pandemic. In fact, uh, we're hovering around 4% right now. Um, which is not an all-time low, it's been negative before, but it is a low. Credit card debt, yes, is at an all-time high. Mm, those statistics to me are, there's kind of always more people, there's more credit cards, there's there's more things getting bought. There's so inflation. The, oh, yeah, things yeah. Are it's spent. like the same thing yeah. when, when you know, CNBC is like, the Dow's down a thousand points. It's never gone down that many points before. Well, of course, because it's never been this high before. Like, those are the statistics to me that don't make any sense. You gotta quote percentages, not points. Anyway, um, and, and then the, the M1 money supply we're seeing now since about mid 2022 has been coming down. So, in some, people have now less money in the bank, they have more credit card debt, and they aren't saving as much. That's kind of a not great recipe. So that's kind of what we're seeing here, and what could ultimately lead to a dip in future spending. That's probably why um, CEO surveys and business surveys are preparing for recession. How uh, you had some interesting news on hiring, and how most businesses feel we're likely to go into recession, but yet they're still hiring. Uh, let's unpack that a little bit.
1: Yeah, our our jobs number came in pretty strong. And that was the headline today, not the debt ceiling limit. And with the jobs numbers coming strong is that gives um, the Fed more reason to raise rates to slow down the economy, right? So you got more jobs, more spending, hence more inflation or more expected inflation because people won't stop going to Disneyland or restaurants. The Fed will see – this blowout jobs number in terms of how many jobs were created in the last month, which, which we beat by quite a few thousand jobs, like wide by margin. a big, big yeah. wide margin. A couple of things, though, too, that that if you're looking at beyond the headline is the unemployment rate went from 3.4% to 37 And we added jobs. So how do, how do we get more unemployed when we added so many jobs relative to what we were expecting? Well, more people joined the workforce. hmm And I'm more apt to think that it's people who thought they retired in the last year came back. Hmm. Either through, yeah, the lack of savings or, or the inability to pay higher prices relative to inflation or their portfolio performance not doing as well as they would hope in the last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is a struggle for recent retirees are not quite ready to adapt to the non-working life. So boredom might be a part of it, too. So there's there's this confluence of, of people probably aging into the workforce, like anyone 16 and older, but also people boomeranging back to the workforce. And that that caused a pretty nice uptick in unemployment.
0: So let me just give some numbers here. So the median forecast as surveyed from economists, e- economists from Bloomberg was for $195,000, 195000 jobs increase. It was 339,000. So yeah. it blew it out of the water. This is may <clears throat> to give you an idea in April, the U S economy generated, uh, or created 294,000 jobs. So 294,000 in April, 339,000 in may. Uh, average hourly earnings are still growing: uh, four point four percent in May, four point three percent. Excuse me, four point four percent in April, four point three percent in May. That's good. So wages are still growing. And to HousePoint, point, the change in labor force was the biggest uh, change here. So in April, the change in labor force was minus forty-three thousand. So forty-three thousand people left the labor force; they stopped looking for jobs, so they're not calculated in the in the unemployment rate anymore. In May, 175,000 people entered the labor force. And so that's likely why the unemployment rate went from 3.4 in April to 3.7 in May.
1: And we might see another ripple effect from that as uh, graduation season is wrapping up. So what do new graduates want to do? They want to go work. And I think we'll see a bit of a seasonality shift there too as well with summer jobs and summer internships picking up. But I think it's a mix. It wasn't mixed jobs report. It wasn't the the stomach churning inducing headlines that we've seen is oh, the economy is running too hot and it's adding too many jobs and therefore people are going to spend too much. Which it it could be a good cycle, right? And employed people keep the economy going. And whether the, the Fed needs to slow that down for fear of inflation, which when's the last time we talked about inflation? It feels like <laughs> decades ago. And I think, I think it's a lot of, we get we, especially with jobs numbers, you have to let some of the lags go through the system first before you, you have to see what kind of impact it has. And the odds of uh, a Fed hike in two weeks actually dropped. It mm. was nearly a 60-40 60% being 25 basis point hike versus 40 no hike. Hmm. Now it's uh, 60% or 66% no hike, 33% odds of, of a hike. So the, the futures market is not pricing in increasing odds of a rate increase in two weeks.
0: Interesting. So I want to highlight something interesting from this job report. So 78% of the job growth Came from the top four sectors or top four industries. That's private education and healthcare, almost a hundred thousand jobs added there. Professional and business service, almost sixty-five thousand added there, education and healthcare, fifty-six thousand, and leisure and hospitality almost fifty thousand. And so uh, those four sectors accounted for 78% of job creation. Bottom five, information services okay, that's tech, but only a minus 9,000. So yeah, there's been a lot of layoffs, but there's uh-huh. still companies that are hiring elsewhere, um, or, or in other industries that maybe aren't making the news as much, or rather in other other companies. Manufacturing lost 2,000 jobs, utilities gained 100, and wholesale trade gained 1,100. So really, there's only um, 11,000 jobs that were lost in this last month. Uh, it was f- fully creation. So again, this is very good news. I actually think it's good news that unemployment ticked up. That's been something that the Fed's been looking for. That's probably yes. why the odds came down for the, for the rate hike. And inflation, as we know, continues to trend down. So um, I actually think this job report is good news uh, because, of, because of all of that.
1: Yeah. But the headline says we're, we're hiring too many people, right?
0: Yeah. So this quote here, this is interesting. This is an article here and there's a person from zip recruiter being quoted and it says with demand for goods and services holding up employers who have been cautious um, and even very nervous about overhiring when push comes to shove, have to keep hiring just to keep pace with business activity. Business owners are very worried about a recession later this year, but they need to keep hiring to provide the pizzas that people are demanding to prevent and to prevent flights being canceled. Interesting position, right? Yep. You're trying to save money and not hire people, but the demand just is there. You have to hire more people.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, to add to that, the struggles of the last year of being understaffed if you're a restaurant
0: mm-hmm.
1: are really still stuck in your mind where you've had potential customers walk away because they didn't want to wait, right? Even though you had half the restaurant still empty, right? You just didn't yep. have enough uh, staff. Yeah. and I think a bit of that staff hoarding is coming into play, where, you know, that PTSD, I guess, with being understaffed or, you know, not sufficiently providing for your customers, is still stuck in, in a lot of small business owners' minds.
0: Well, good news. About 50,000 jobs were added in leisure and hospitality this last month, so hopefully that pinch uh, starts to go away there yeah. a little bit. That's like 25% of the jobs that were added, so hopefully that's a good trend.
1: I think that's an industry that we'll continue to see. I you know I uh, I've seen well a burger flipper at McDonald's makes more at working at McDonald's than uh engineer in some country right and I don't know I th- I I think perception needs to change there because in terms of productivity that worker at McDonald's actually generates a lot of revenue for the company
0: No kidding yeah
1: So yeah. So yeah if you're if you're facing the threat of AI cuz all you do is spreadsheet work you know that it's it's you have to look at it from a productivity standpoint because corporations are always looking for profit mm-hmm. and how much they can extract from their employees
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and productivity so, is a big metric yeah
1: and and yeah we, get, we can dig at burger flippers all we want but i think they they generate a ton of money because they turn a lot of look at a mcdonald's drive through they're, they're still pretty busy yeah
0: huh look at a Chick-fil-A drive through, but that's another story. Uh, I just read that there was the first fully automated McDonald's that opened up. So I'm this is in test, you know, they're trying to figure out can we have no employees, basically just people delivering the stuff and then it's fully automated. I think the million dollar question there is, is all that automation cheaper than hiring the person at 20 bucks an hour, uh, and paying them to be there, so remains to be seen. Uh, you know, in, in typical tech world, costs drive down over time, yep. and then you start to have this curve that that comes up. Um, so that'll be interesting to see play out as a lot of these these restaurants and fast food chains uh, sort of convert or try to try to bring in sort of this automation element to try to reduce wages. All right, that's all the time we have today. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks.